Well, welcome to the Wisdom and Grace podcast with Giles D. Stevens. I'm your host, Giles Stevens, and this is the place where people can come to learn how to grow in the wisdom and the grace of God so as to be more fruitful in life and in ministry. And on today's episode, we're going to be looking at how wisdom is the principal thing that makes a difference in life. Often people think that to resolve their financial problems, for example, they just need more money. But actually, it's financial wisdom that makes the difference. Because if you give more money to somebody who's not financially wise, then actually the more money could get them into further problems and further debt. So it's wisdom that really makes the difference. And this is true in every area of life. It could be in your marriage, in your relationships. It's wisdom knowing how to relate to people, to your spouse, to your children, to your parents, to your friends. Knowing how to respond when there's difficult moments or frictious conversations. That wisdom actually then applied can change the atmosphere in a home and help issues be dealt with rather than to grow and become real mountains that are insurmountable in people's lives and become real big problems. And so wisdom is a is the principal thing. And that's the the very word at the beginning of the book of Proverbs, that we should really go after wisdom as if we were going after silver and gold. And, you know, sometimes I stop and think that if you if you read history about the gold rushes, the the amount of people who got involved in that, the the price they were willing to pay to leave their own town or country to go to a, a, a place where gold had been discovered. And you can see these incredible pictures of gold rushes you know, in the last century, whether it was in the States or in Brazil or in Australia or other places. And. And some of the photos show them in incredibly uh, uh, dire circumstances and situations, working shirtless in the mud and in the water uh, and living in very basic tents and camps and eating out of just tinned or canned spam um, every day, very deprived um, situations. Uh, and, and they do that with the hope of getting gold, which would then obviously mean getting money. And, um, you know, I understand that in terms of people's desire to get gold. But the scripture says that we should go after wisdom more than we should go after silver and gold. And so we really should have the same passion to get wisdom, more of a passion. Because as I said, money doesn't actually necessarily resolve things. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon does said that money answers everything in the sense of the material world. If you've got money, then you can you can resolve situations. I like to say that money gives you options. If you have money, you have options. If you don't have money, you have less options in life. And it's good to have options. But my point is this, that money doesn't answer everything. We all know that. You can live in a wonderful mansion in Hollywood and yet you know, be depressed you can drive a top car and yet not be satisfied. So we all know that there are things that are much more important, um, such as relationships and such as having peace with God and, and so forth. Um, but the point I want to make is that we should have a passion to get wisdom, real wisdom, because then whatever we apply 
our wisdom too becomes better. And that's why, really, in life, life should be getting better as you grow older. The, the Bible talks about how the path of the righteous is like the shining sun that grows brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. Another place it talks about us going from glory to glory and so forth. And I remember when I was younger thinking, wow, you know, is anything good about getting old? Um, but actually, as I've grown older, I've realized that life becomes better and better as long as you're getting wiser and wiser. And that was always the Lord's intention for us because with increased wisdom, then you're able to resolve life's problems. You're able to find that place of peace and of joy much more easily. You don't live in a state of anxiety. Um, you know, and when pressure comes, you're able to overcome it. You can deal with things. And so actually, despite taking on a, a heavier workload and perhaps being uh, having to need to provide for more people and deal with more complex issues, actually life becomes better and better because, as I said, you're you're more expert in in problem resolution and and so forth. And so wisdom is really, really key. And of course, the thing about wisdom is that nobody's born wise. Um, there's a terrific story about a man who visits a, a, a city in the United States and he sees this old boy sitting on a bench and he goes up to him and he says, um, were any great men born in this city? And the man answered, the old man answered, no, no, just babies. And so that's the point, you know, we're all born as just babies. We're not born with wisdom, but wisdom can be found. Wisdom can be got. And so the joy is we can all grow in wisdom. And um, that means that Today, we can be wiser than yesterday, and that's really going to make a difference in life. And it means that our future can be better, because as we grow in wisdom, then we can grow and be blessed in so many other parts of life. And so, as long as we're feasting upon wisdom, then our future is brighter. And yet, as I said, the real key, therefore, is to invest into getting wisdom. And, of course, very little gold lies on the surface and to get the gold out of the, the these days you have to dig down deep and often the greatest seams of gold are down deepest and and that's really a picture of wisdom as well you know wisdom is something you have to dig for it's something you have to go after at times you have to pay a price to get it it's the thing that makes the difference is you know when the, the person who's willing to do that to set apart time to study, to sit at the feet of wiser people. You know, he who walks with the wise is wise. He becomes wise. and But all that takes humility. It takes seeking after and so forth. But I just wanted to start out by saying this, that no matter where you are in life today, you can certainly have a better future by growing in wisdom. You may feel like you're not where you want to be today, but God has made a way for things to get better. And it's through the path of wisdom. And so be encouraged. You know, things can be better. I think one of the reasons you're, or the, the fact that you're tuning into this podcast, listening to me talk about wisdom, is a great sign because it shows that you've got a heart to learn. And that's, as I said, both a sign of good sense. You want to make life better. Um, but it's also a sign of being humble. And sometimes I think that, uh, uh, it's our own pride that stops us growing in certain areas because we have that kind of pharisaical, know-it-all attitude and we don't feel like we need to learn. 
And yet anybody, I think, who is really wise, uh, they are the first ones to say that um, real wisdom is to know how foolish you really are or how much there is still to learn. So it's, it's one of those glorious paradoxes that the more you know, the more you realize you need to know. Um, and certainly in my own life, I'm just so grateful that you know I, I've been able to grow in wisdom. But it, every step of growing in wisdom, I realize, boy, I'm just at the beginning of this learning wisdom. There's so much more out there to get wise about than I've actually got wise about already. So it keeps me very, very humble. And it keeps me hungry to learn more each and every day. So that's really the first point I want to make. Proverbs 4 and 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. So it's showing us, look, that's the main thing in life. Get, But knowing that it's the main thing, therefore go get it. Okay, You can't just know that and be passive about it. It takes some effort. You have to dig down uh, to get wisdom. Now I want to bring in... Um, two types of wisdom now. And I think the distinction here is absolutely vital. There is what I've been calling earthly wisdom, and then there is heavenly wisdom. And <clears throat> these two types of wisdom are very much laid out in Scripture, and I'll show you how they fit into both categories. But normally when we think about wisdom, we think about the wisdom, for example, of the book of Proverbs. The wisdom that we get from learning life's axioms or principles on how to deal with issues, how to be a leader, how to uh, become financially intelligent, how to better your marriage. All that takes wisdom. And as I said, the book of Proverbs, in fact, the whole Bible is full of that kind of wisdom. So even though I'm calling it earthly wisdom, perhaps the better name for it would be natural wisdom. It's a wisdom that you can understand with your natural mind. And it's principally in the books of wisdom in the Bible, as I said, books like Proverbs, Psalms, and Ecclesiastes, but also really throughout the prophets and throughout the Old Testament stories, there's a great level of wisdom that anybody can understand with their natural mind. And obviously, this is a day and age where our bookshops are filled with what is called self-help. And most of the self-help that's offered through those books are actually principles and proverbs taken from the Bible, but sort of put into modern speak and given modern application. And there's a place for all that, you know, there's that can really help you in certain areas of life, of, you know, as I said, of organizing yourself, of developing your leadership skills, of forming teams, of structuring uh, uh, life. And so that's vital uh, for us to get that kind of wisdom. However, I don't really want to stick on that because so much has been said about that. And there are many books out there. Uh, and I say it's natural wisdom because, as I said, anybody can understand it. But there's a much higher form of wisdom. And this is really what I want to focus on and help, hopefully, you to see with me today. And that is there is a heavenly type of wisdom that is far above this earthly wisdom. 
Now, the Bible in the book of James talks about a wisdom from above. So this is really pointing to revelation. And as I said, this is a much higher form of wisdom. And we need to um, understand how to receive this kind type of wisdom because the earthly wisdom or natural wisdom has its limits. And let me explain it. In the book of Ecclesiastes, another book of wisdom, there's an extraordinary saying in verse 4 and uh, sorry, verse 11 and verse 4. And Solomon writes this, that he returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. And Solomon's conclusion is this, look, you might be the fastest you might be the strongest, you might be the wisest, you might do all the training courses, you might uh, be the one who's most self-disciplined to train and to study and to develop yourself. But actually, that doesn't guarantee you success. It's not always uh, the swiftest that wins the race or the strongest that wins the battle or the person who studies, studies hardest at school or at university that gets the best job. No, there are a lot of other factors involved. And so, you know, somebody who just has a basis of natural wisdom actually might not necessarily get ahead in life. Uh, they could literally just be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And despite all their training, and despite all their study, and despite all their self-discipline, something terrible happens. They just, you know, happen to be there. And so, you know, often if you just focus on that type of wisdom, uh, you could become very disappointed. It may be wisdom gained in vain. But the Bible, and this is the glory of the Lord, the Bible shows us a, a, a superior wisdom, a heavenly wisdom, a wisdom from above. And this is the wisdom that ensures that there is favor and grace upon our lives, no matter where we are no matter what we do. It literally, when we're, when we're filled with this wisdom, it causes us, instead of to be in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people, to be in the right place at the right time with the right people. And so it, when you have this kind of access to favor through this kind of wisdom, then, as I said, then that prophetic word over your life that uh, things are gonna get brighter, that you're gonna go from victory to victory, then that literally comes into being in your life and you can grow older um, in peace and with joy because you're growing wiser. Gray hair, I've just got a few tinges around the edges now, but gray hair should be a sign of glory if you're getting wiser. Sadly, as we know, there are, you know age doesn't necessarily mean wisdom. There, I believe that the principle of scripture is that your best is always ahead of you. You're constantly growing. And even though the outer man is perishing, as Paul said, the inner man is getting renewed day by day. So yes, you physically can't be at your, your greatest strength as you go beyond 35 around there. Um, but actually, life should be getting better and better. And so Paul introduces us to this type of wisdom. I'm going to read from Ephesians 1, 
uh, verse 16 and a couple of verses there. He says that he did not cease to give thanks for the church in Ephesus, making mention of you in my prayers. And I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Listen to that, the spirit of wisdom. There's a spiritual wisdom. There's the spirit of wisdom, literally meaning the Holy Spirit is the one who fills our spirit with wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The knowledge of who? Christ and his finished work. And so that's really what the Holy Spirit has come to reveal. And he goes on that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So that's everything now that the inheritance that you now have because you are one of the saints. All this inheritance you can access. In verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. So not just that there's this inheritance, that there's this blessing, but literally the power of God and the grace and the favor of God come upon you as you get filled with this, this heavenly wisdom. And so Paul's, you know, showing us that there is a different type of wisdom and that really makes the difference. As I said, natural wisdom doesn't necessarily mean you win in life. But when you have the revelation of the knowledge of the things that God has done in Christ, then, and you, and you lift up that work, then suddenly uh, you're, you, you find yourself in a place where unmerited favor is upon you. Literally, when you realize that God has done everything for you to have eternal life, a long life, and an abundant life through Christ Jesus. Because in and of yourself, you couldn't make it on your own. But God, who is rich in mercy and abundant in grace, has done it for you. And by trusting and believing in what happened 2,000 years ago on the cross at Calvary, where a divine exchange happened with Christ taking upon himself our sinfulness that we might become the righteousness of God, where he took upon himself all curses that we might be blessed, all poverty that we might prosper, all sickness that we might be, be healed. When you get a revelation of what Christ did and you confess that, then all those blessings, which are the inheritance of the saints, supernaturally get poured out upon you, manifest in you. And so whatever you do prospers. Wherever you go, uh, it's like favor is upon you. Doors open, people are attracted to you. They want to, you know, they want your services. They want to do business with you. There just seems to be that kind of angel dust sprinkled upon the person. Why? Because he's now got the spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of Christ. And that's something that comes not through the mind, so to speak. It's literally, it's through the spirit. Remember, the spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord. So when God has to show us that, most believers, and this is the kind of main point I suppose I want to try and get across, is most people go after natural wisdom. And I'm not 
saying that that's not good in certain areas of life. You know, thank God for that kind of teaching. And, you know, like I said, there's so much written about that. You could spend the rest of your life in the self-help section of any uh, bookstore, you know, studying up on that. But that doesn't guarantee success at all, okay? Uh, and, and also, most of that sort of stuff is now taught in churches, in pulpits, by preachers and teachers and pastors. Whereas Paul never taught that. You can read all of his Bible, all of his letters. Paul's focus, and look, listen to his prayer here. He didn't cease to pray for the believers that they would have this spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the finished work of Christ. Because he knew if they had that revelation of what Christ has done, then everything else is a result of that. It's interesting to note in the life of Paul that he never prayed, you know, for a mighty harvest of souls. He never prayed for new church leaders to be raised up. He never prayed to sort of break into new cities or to prosper. No, this was his prayer. And this is how he taught other people to pray. He's, he prayed that the believers would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ, in what Christ has done. Because when you know that Christ did it all, then it's no longer about you and your intelligence. It's all about him. It's all about what he has done, not what you need to do. It is this incredible grace of God expressed to us through Christ Jesus. And as I said, once you realize that, and once you start confessing that over your life, you'll find that God's blessing and his promises manifest in your life. They come into being. Uh, unworthy as you are, uh, unmerited as it is. And it's just because you've trusted in his goodness rather than yourself. You've trusted in his work rather than your own. And that's a real sign of humility. You know, even as I record this now, I'm, I'm so aware that the message of grace is a revelation. You can't understand it with the natural mind. That God blesses the undeserving. That he has unmerited favor for those who believe. Not those who try to earn it. Not those who think they deserve it. Not those who try to do trade with God. I'll do this for you if you do this for that for me. Not those who think that they're good like the Pharisees and better than others and therefore God needs to bless me and should bless me. No. God has this incredible unmerited favor for those who say, Lord, I need you and I trust in what you've done for me. I'm not good enough in myself. There's no good thing that's in within me. But I thank you so much for your love for sending Jesus, for what he did for me to take me out of the mari clay, to place my feet upon the rock, you know, to, to not just restore me to Eden, so to speak, but to lift me up and so that I can be seated with Christ, so that, every, so that I'm blessed with every spiritual uh, blessing in heavenly places. It's like, wow, God has this incredible inheritance for us. And those who humble themselves are able to receive that. And it's interesting because 
you know, people who are naturally minded don't like this kind of talk. And so we begin to see that God wants us to rule in life, but the way that we rule in life, and I'm quoting Paul in Romans 5 and 17, the way we rule in life is through the abundance of his grace and his gift of righteousness. That's the, the thing that makes you successful or gets you ahead or um, enables you to, to prosper in whatever environment. It's not something that we do. It's through his abundant grace towards us. It's a gift of his that we receive when we believe. Hallelujah. And so that's the type of wisdom that we need to be going after every day. I started this podcast talking about how we should go after it more than those people who went off seeking gold and the gold rushes. Really, to ask God to fill you with the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of what Christ has done. That should be your everyday prayer. Lord, give me light. Give me understanding. Help me to see what was happening at Calvary. Help me to understand what Christ did when he was on earth. Help me to see that that is the reason why every angel glorifies him, why there's only one name in heaven and on earth that is to be lifted up because it, he did it all. Hallelujah. And, and everything was resolved by him. And it's because that we couldn't resolve ourselves, our own situations. But in his mercy, he did it for us. So grace really is a revelation. The natural mind doesn't understand it. The natural mind understands love your enemies, um, do good to those who do good to you, love those who love you, greet those who greet you. That's the sort of natural mind. That's how how things operate in the natural realm. But grace comes along and says, no, I want you to bless those who curse you. I want you to love those who hate you. I want to pray for those who persecute you, etc." And so this is like illogical. It's, not, it's in a different realm of understanding, of wisdom. You know, grace, God demonstrated his grace through his love by sending Christ to die for us whilst we were sinners. So Christ didn't die for us because we were his friends. No, grace says, no, you're my enemies, but I'm going to die for you. Hallelujah. And that's a different revelation. That's an extraordinary thing. And so, but when you start meditating upon that and this incredible love of God and what he's done in Jesus, and you start thanking him for it, then that literally puts you into what I call the place of grace, of unmerited favor. And so you may have come from a simple background or, you know, you may have started out, out life, you know, in difficult circumstances, maybe a single parent, maybe from a very poor background, simple education, you know. Uh, but when there's that touch of favor upon your life, then you go from glory to glory. And wow, I mean, I have just been surrounded by so many people who have that type of story and that type of testimony of look what the Lord has done. They cannot explain their story without saying, God did this for me and not because I was faithful, not because I was so good, just because he wanted to show me his, his glory in Christ Jesus. And I just began, you know, they said, I just began to trust in what Jesus had done for me. And then things started happening and things started opening up. And I believe the same for you, my friend. I know this isn't a sort of 10-step program on how to better your life, but I tell you, if you can get what I'm saying here, this will 
open up the abundant life for you in a way that you've never experienced. And it's the key. It is the key, even though it's not a key because he's a person. Hallelujah. Uh, but if this is where life is at, it's in Christ Jesus. Amen. And, uh, you know, I was thinking earlier as well that when you start to get a revelation of grace, you, 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 you begin to see that really it's only grace that transforms you. When somebody tries to teach you principles to change, then that might change a bit of your, you know, your, your routine. You may be able to sort of polish your character a bit. But it's really the message of grace that causes you to both change in heart, but then change in nature, change from the inside out rather from the outside in. Most change is sort of forced upon us. You must do this. It's a list of rules and regulations. And we sort of squeeze ourselves into those rules and regulations to try and better our lives. But actually, grace works very differently. Grace is liberty. Grace just shows us the, the, the goodness of God, the love of God. And then we find our own hearts wanting to respond, saying, wow, look what you've done for me. What can I do for you? And therefore you find yourself putting your life in order, uh, getting up earlier in the morning because you want to make, you want to give an offering back to God. You want to use your time, your talents, your treasure in a better way. So it's, it's, it's driven from the inside as a response to the love that you've received and so it's really it's the gospel it's the 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 word of god's grace that has real transforming power and both in both in your life of course and in in the lives of other people around you and so i mean this is one of the things i've found and you know i've been married now 20 years to sylvia and we come from very different backgrounds different countries different cultures you know, I'm an Englishman, brought up my father in the British Army, brought up in different countries, including Germany and Russia and Hong Kong, as well as the UK, going to boarding schools and, and so forth. And so being very much in the centre of Western life, Sylvie comes from uh, a small farm in the back end of the state of Goiás, which is kind of frontier territory in Brazil. And... And really, you know, on the farm, they didn't have electricity when they were kids. They didn't have a car. They would go into town once a month in a horse and cart and where they would go to church and then buy whatever supplies they needed. And she tells these extraordinary stories about sometimes in rainy season, uh, the rivers would be high when they would try and get back home in their horse and cart. And they would have to literally camp out uh, underneath the cart in the rain until the rivers subsided for them to get home. And so and she had a very, very different upbringing and background. And so here we are in this marriage with so many differences about so many things. And I've got so many stories to tell about that, which is a cause for us to laugh a lot now. But at the time, it was kind of like, wow, you know, it's that classic women are from from Mars and men are from Venus. You know, I just felt like so different to her in many, many ways. And so we became very interested to do marriage courses and relationship seminars and to read different books. And often they were, you know, gave us lots of great principles to practice and the languages of love and, you know, how you've got to touch and be nice and whatever. There's so much good stuff in those things. But actually, really, the, the problem with that, it's another 
list of things that you have to do, which in the end are going to work against you because now the list of things that you're not doing is growing. And so you're going to end up condemning your spouse uh, more and more because before he wasn't doing this, but now I'm not doing other things as well. And so in some ways it's a recipe for disaster because you sort of charge your partner for more and more failure. And I'm just so glad that the Lord revealed to me that really marital harmony and unity is not a result of more principles to, to live by. It's a revelation. It comes from a revelation of God's grace, uh, that God is gracious, that he loves us no matter what, that um, he humbled himself. He 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 poured himself out and when you experience the love of god for yourself then you feel this kind of sense within you um, that you want to express that love to others the bible says that we love him we love god because he loved us first so we love others and remember that word there is agape unconditional love that we love others because he loved us first so the more you understand that you are loved, the more love you express. And of course, that's the key to every marriage, because if you love, then you support all things. If you love, you'll be patient and kind and generous and good and long suffering, just as 1 Corinthians 13 says. So, but you have to have this understanding of how much grace you have received, and then you'll be gracious with your spouse in every other situation. And so, you know, iron sharpens iron, and, and when, when two bits of iron clash or two strong characters clash, sparks fly. But often in marital relationships, those sparks turn into fires that can really, um, you know, get into a full-on raging fire and cause all sorts of problems. But of course, when, you're, when you know, when you've understood grace and you realize how much you've been forgiven, then you're quick to forgive others. You're quick to be uh, uh, to, to set things right, you're, you're much more patient and kind. And so small issues don't become big issues. And so it's really grace that transforms, transforms you, and also gives you um, or, or creates around you a space for others to be transformed. Hallelujah. There's a classic story about the great preacher Smith Wigglesworth and his wife, Polly, um, became a Christian before him, was saved before him. And she, in her zeal, tried to get Smith to come along to church and he wasn't interested and she tried to force him and he resisted even more because you know how it is when you try and forcibly change somebody, then they'll dig their heels in, they'll harden their heart against you. And, and actually he was getting more and more against her and, and her involvement in the church and beginning to complain that, you know, she loved the church more than she loved him. And and so she had a real change of, of mind. She had a revelation of really what grace is, the spirit of revelation of wisdom about how, you know, who Christ is and how he does things. Remember, he doesn't condemn and he's loving and he's patient and he's long suffering and he, and he heals without demanding anything back in return. And, um, and so one day Smith said to her, listen, if you go to the church service, then don't expect to be able to come back here tonight. And she thought to herself, well, I'm going to go because God's more important than my husband to me. 
and she went off to the service and when she came back the front door was locked and up in the north of England I believe in Bradford it's pretty cold in the winter there and Smith Wigglesworth gets up in the morning and goes and opens the front door and he finds his wife literally lying on the doorstep freezing and anyhow so she comes in and she goes straight to the kitchen and she cooks up this delicious English breakfast that sitting here in Brazil right now just makes my mouth water when I think of bacon and eggs and beans and mushrooms and fried tomatoes and things. Anyhow, and she puts this delicious breakfast down in front of Smith and gives him a kiss on the forehead and says, I love you, honey. And so Smith Wigglesworth testified that he could resist his wife when she was putting pressure on him. But he said when she came in with that incredible spirit of grace and despite being left out on the doorstep all night long, being treated so badly, all she did in reply was to bless me and be loving and gracious and to cook me this delicious breakfast. He said, I couldn't resist her any longer. I said, I need to know this God of yours. I need to go to this church of yours because you have been transformed and I want to be like you. And so this is heavenly wisdom. This is the thing that really causes change. So we've been talking about the wisdom, two types of wisdom, wisdom being the principal thing. Getting natural wisdom is one thing, but getting the spirit of wisdom, the wisdom that comes from above, that's the key thing for your life. If you can get that, the promise of God is that your path will get brighter and brighter every day. And as I said, the good thing about wisdom is that you can always grow in it. So today can be better than yesterday tomorrow can be better than today and so on and so forth until glory amen so god bless you thank you so much for tuning into this podcast